0: Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best. And you just had to wait till she was done talking on the phone to get on the phone.
1: What, what, It'd be sick. We, no, no call waiting and no caller ID. Like you just, Uh-oh. you didn't even know. You didn't even know somebody called. Like, I tried calling you. Yeah, it was busy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I also remember when I got call notes, and I could get rid of my answer machine. I gladly threw that away. My, oh, my then well. girl, girlfriend used to be like, "You said like I used to go to a payphone and call to check my messages before I got back because I didn't know who left a message." You know what I mean? You get
1: <laughs> the machine
0: starts stitching on girl you. From the ball, man. Please help! It's <laughs> not that girl from the mall, Lord. <laughs> Run A-M-C-C For you Rash. Rash. Welcome to another edition of Run A-M-C uh, In the Hoop Collective on ESPN This is Mark Spears from ESPN's The Undefeated The M and the AMC Amino Hassan, ESPN extraordinaire Do-It-All superstar He's the A, he's in the house What's up, me
1: What's going on, man? These intros, man, it's, it's too over the top. They're going to start trying to,
0: <laughs> they going to start trying we'll lose, to we'll lose receipts. the listeners already. I'm messing them up. <laughs>
1: they're like, hey, Chris, hey,
0: Chris, we're... hey, what's up, oh. Chris?
1: Oh, oh, don't say it. Uh, don't tell me. No. <laughs>
0: Third yeah. action.
1: Third this guy, yo, he's got a uh, Derrick Rose like uh Iron yeah. Man streaker showing up. <laughs> yeah, man, he might need surgery
0: on his head. <laughs> uh, waiting to hear back from him. No Chris Haynes. That's all right. We got a great guest today. Real great guest.
1: I'm, ex- I'm excited for this.
0: And you guys were last week. You guys had mentioned it at the end of the show and wanted to tease it. And I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. But um we got everybody's uh one of their favorite characters and players in NBA history uh Baron Davis Mr. Baron Davis and um you know obviously Baron uh, played in NBA from after starting at UCLA from 99 to 2012 uh, most notably what would you say with the Golden State Warriors yeah Eagles, and i think that
1: that would be his most I think I think that's the franchise that people associate him with the most. Yeah, yeah.
0: I I'm, I'm gonna tell you my my favorite actually Baron story was before I met Baron. Um they had a guy and I mean I wonder if you remember his name. It was this in, in the 90s there were all these guys that were supposed to be the next Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Like Randy Livingston before he got hurt was supposed to be the next Michael Jordan. Grant Hill was supposed to be like the next Michael Jordan. Another guy that was supposed to be the next Michael Jordan was Shea Cotton.
1: Oh yeah, the he was one probably the most hype high, high school player prior to, you know, pre-LeBron. It was like yeah. Shea Cotton, Lenny Cook, and uh, 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 Felipe Lopez.
0: Yeah, those were like the I, I, I think Shay Shea was probably the highest of them all. I'd probably say Randy number two. Randy Livingston was so big that he went to uh, Newman High School in New Orleans and was more famous than Peyton Manning while he was there. That's how big he was. And then he blew his knee out before he got to LSU. But so I was working for the L.A. Daily News. Uh, I worked there from, like, 97 to 98. And uh, I go see uh, Shea Cotton in this uh, 1997, like, L.A. All-Star game at the Old Forum. And I I remember he had one dunk that was just absolutely amazing, man, where he looked like he jumped out of the rafters and everything. But at the end of the game, I was like, man, this other kid, this other kid I saw, he looked better to me than Shea Cotton. And that other kid was Baron Davis. And uh, obviously he went on to a much better career than Shea Cotton did. I don't think Shea Cotton even made it to the NBA. I think his brother did, but Baron and but Shea never did. But, you know, uh Baron Davis was certainly um a kid that I remembered and he 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 had a fascinating uh basketball career at UCLA and in the NBA and he actually even had a stint in the D League in Delaware for a quick minute.
1: One of my favorite stories is you know, obviously video replay is a is a kind of a feature of the NBA and and really, uh, all the professional sports do it on some level or another. For, but for the NBA, one of the kind of moments that really pushed the ties that we need video replay was Baron Davis hitting, uh, what should have been a game winner, uh, in the playoffs against Orlando. Um, and it was, I want to say there was point three on the clock or point two. It was a very small amount of time. And so he caught and shot and because of the trent tucker rule they said oh no no you can't catch and shoot in that much time but then uh when they went back and slowed down the tape and went frame by frame he actually got the shot off in time they should have won that playoff game uh the but did it show. count it didn't count they waved it all cuz of the trent tucker rule they said it's not enough time for someone to catch and shoot automatically cuz that's how they used to do they used to yeah. just say you yeah, cuz that trent the, if you guys remember in the 80s trent, trent tucker hit a game winner and it was clearly like that dude caught, like the clock just started slow because he caught and gathered and turned and shot. Uh, and, and then the Knicks ended up winning that game. And so they created a Trent Tucker rule, which was if the clock, I want to say point three was the, the amount of time, point three seconds, uh, is not enough time to catch a gather and shoot. You can t- <clears throat> tip it in, you can touch it in, but you can't catch gather and shoot. Well, Barron did it. <laughs> just see he, he, he was quicker than what we thought a human could be at releasing a ball like that. And uh because they ended up not winning that game, uh they ended up well that was like one of the moments that was finally the last straw that I said, Okay, we need to have video replay to determine whether these guys are actually making these shots or not.
0: Wow. So he lost the game he shouldn't have lost, and then changed the rules in the process.
1: Yeah. So uh was he, a high- you know he he was he was such a special player, uh, just a rare combination of big guard, just strength, um, but at the same time, really, really skilled. Um, just uh, I I I can't think of too many guys who who are are who are on that level even today. Even as we have this golden age of guards, I mean, I guess it would be Russell Westbrook, but he was more skilled than Russell Westbrook. I would say. Yeah,
0: and he was one of those big guards too. Yeah, big and athletic. So you know, kind of changing the game in that regard, like big, physical, athletic guards. And he could shoot it. I mean, Baron pretty much for for a guard could do whatever you needed him to do. Yeah. Um, and he was fun. And he was uh, he was you know,
1: Dude, he's Baron
0: got like swag, personality. He's the kind of guy that I always say the most. Uh, productive black dudes are the ones that can can be comfortable in the hood and also uh in uh corporate America at the same time. Talk could be as comfortable talking to a drug dealer as they are
1: talking Mark to. that's what I want to talk to him about because you know even though he grew up in in LA and in, in South, South Central, Central he went to a really really white high school that wasn't known for athletics. Yeah. It was known for Hollywood people send their kids to this school. Yeah, Crossroads. So yeah, so I'm curious at how he ended up there, you know, because you would think if I'm gonna go to a, a better school outside of my neighborhood, it would be something with a some sort of athletic kind of like. Played with album. Austin here too. Oh, Austin crozier played there too. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So he so had I, a, uh i am I'm gonna go through some of the alumni of his school. Um, Damon Wayans junior, junior, yep. David Lazarus isn't he a big time actor or something?
1: I think so. Yep. <laughs> uh, Kate Hudson. Yeah, no, he went. She was in his class, I think. Liv Tyler. Yep.
0: Jo- Jonah Hill. Yeah. I mean- Jake Paltrow. Jack Black. J. A. Adandi. Uh, for real? Yeah, that's what J A went to. I don't think they went to school together though.
1: Nah, Jay is a hundred years old. There's no chance. <laughs>
0: Gwyneth Paltrow. Yep. Gary Coleman. No. And not Jay Arnold B. Drummond. What you talking about, Willis? He went <laughs> but he did I think he was older than Baron too. Yeah,
1: he's older, yeah.
0: Maya Rudolph. Um uh,
1: man, a long long list of interesting people. But, you know, a lot a lot of these names, you know, not, not, not only are they actors, but they are second generation. You know, so oh. it, it's not just like uh, they got a great drama program there. It's, these are people who come from Hollywood. Yeah, I, wonder, I wonder how he got there. Yeah, I mean, it just
0: why would, you know, you think about like, it. Like this dude from South Central, and he went to go play basketball there. Like, why right. didn't he go? Why not
1: modern day? Shaw. Well, I, mean, no, I, mean,
0: Day, I don't think Marta Day was Marta Day yet. Oh yeah, no. but I'm
1: Maybe they just, saying, you know, just like,
0: started to become Marta Day. Maybe there, I'm wrong.
1: There, there are schools that you know they're good schools, but they have a they're known for their athletic programs, and that's why you know kids go there. I know, for instance, in in New York, all the Catholic schools, guys will go to Christ the King or Holy Cross or or uh, or Rice. R.I.P. to that school. Um, because you know obviously there's a better uh higher quality education than public schools but also their athletic programs were all really good so you know if you went there you know you were going to be in front of the right uh eyes people people were going to take notice of you for him to go to a school that like I said it looks like it's mostly known for its drama department
0: yeah that's and, because, and, and it now costs $38,000 to go there too good lord Whew. So another thing we, we definitely got to talk about bearing on, uh, is the We Believe team, which yeah. I don't know of any other, you know, go being a Bay Area native. I always found it interesting. And, and, and I'm going to get beat up from Warriors fans for saying this, like how highly regarded Run TMC was. And, you know, obviously we steal our nickname from them in Run DMC. Um, how highly regarded Run, DM, run TMC, which was uh, Tim Hardaway, Chris Chris Mullen and Mitch Richmond, they never got out out of the first round, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's not like they were losing to the bum team, still.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but they didn't really like. I never like they were so like high. Like Mitch Richmond only played for the Warriors for two seasons.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: And then you look at, run, at at the We Believe team, which was great and and it was fun, but the Warriors have had had so much losing since winning a championship in '76. They had so much losing that just making it past the first round was like amazing.
1: Making it to the playoffs <laughs> was amazing. Like, like Mark, this team is they like missed, they they missed they didn't the playoffs.
0: Like can think you think about of a, like a Lakers team, like oh man, these dudes made it to the second round and they're still like revered.
1: So so check this out: the last time before the We Believe team, the last time the Warriors made it past the first round was in 1991. Yes. right. Then the next 92, they made it. They lost in the first round. 93, they missed the playoffs. 94, that was a Chris Webber year. They lost in the first round, and then. They didn't go to the playoffs again until the We Believe team. So, I mean, and this is why when people talk about what's the greatest fan bases in the NBA, a lot of fans, I think, think we say Warriors because they're winning now, obviously, and they're the bell of the ball. But it's because all of these years when they were terrible, that gym was packed. And, like, to your point, teams like Run TMC— and we believe, are thought of, like, you would think these guys won seven championships in a row the way that people remember those teams and cherish those teams and those players.
0: Man, I I used to, as a kid, growing up, you know, following the Warriors and everything, I remember the mentality as a fan was like, yo, they're only, like, it's two weeks left, and there's four games out of the eighth spot. They still got a chance. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like, a championship to Warriors fans before the Curry era was just making it to the playoffs. Yeah. Like, that was considered greatness, you know? Yep. So, it'll be interesting to see with the success of this team. I mean, look, we believe team always is going to have a special place. But these guys went two or three more championships. It it, kind of like, it's you know. Maybe yeah. it, it dims all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean?
1: Uh, well, team, I, don't, I, I, don't, I I would say I would say no because I have w- walked the concourse with Steven yeah. Jackson, and you yeah. would think I, I was walking with Michael Jordan.
0: Oh my Yeah, they're they're all popular, man.
1: Yeah, they they, they but, have but and, and and one of my favorite things, Mark, is when you walk um, in Oracle. Coming from the visitors' locker room, you know that tunnel right there. Yeah, on where, the wall, they they got where Dirk famously
0: hey, tell the uh, story for people that don't know.
1: So I okay, so I look, I I'm just going off of the legend. I don't know if this is true, but apparently, when the, the Dallas Mavericks <laughs> lost in the first round to the Golden State Warriors, they were the number one seed. They lost to the eight seed. Dirk was so mad that he threw a chair. Or what did? Or, he he threw, he threw a, a chair.
0: chair high, like fifteen twenty feet yeah, up in the like, air. The chair hits the uh, you know the, a wall, you know a plaster wall the, or the whatever fly wall. Yeah, yeah, and just punches a hole in the wall. And to this day, which is going to be one of the sad things that we won't see anymore, you know, when the team moves to San Francisco in in twenty nineteen in the fall of twenty nineteen. They actually have a We Believe t-shirt that covers like, the hole. <laughs> no, no, it's next to the hole.
1: Oh, it's next to the hole, that, okay.
0: Yeah, and it's like the hole in the t-shirt is like covered with clear plastic. So it's right by the visiting locker room. A lot of people probably miss it, but I, it's, it's hilarious. It's just like up out of nowhere. It's, it's still always a great story, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but,
1: but, but it's stuff like that that tells me they're never going to forget that team. No matter what this current yeah, team, this current team is going to go down Our in history. as one of the greatest teams of all time, but it, it's not going to make people forget how they felt about, about, you know, about this team. You know, Barron and Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes and, and Al Harrington. It was, it was a, a really strong connection. I mean, it really embodied kind of the mentality, particularly of the East Bay. It was a very East Bay team. Yeah. Yeah. See, Mark, you don't know nothing about this. The joys of parenthood.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. What you get? No
0: problem. This is entertaining.
2: Anytime y'all want to start, man, don't look like this kid going nowhere.
0: hey baron welcome to the show appreciate you coming on and um first of all with without being the christmas season man i, I want to see if you could uh explain black center to everybody and if tell them why if, if they need a a beautiful or ugly sweater you can make it happen
2: for them <laughs> <laughs> man no it's just you know for me it, it's a good time of year um you know i launched this uh this character and this brand to really just, you know, kind of play my part. You know, I watch I watch a lot of, now because I see I watch a lot of animated movies. And I always did, you know, and I always thought, you know, some of the best storytelling and animation and, and you know, just kind of like those family movies and things like that. And, uh, you know, with Black Santa it's just really like, you know, it, there's never been um, a holiday that really like celebrated culture or or really holiday celebrated, you know, the spirit of like, you know, who we are as a people or, you know, what I would like or what I look like. So for me it was to create this Black Santa figure as somebody who was one that everybody could relate to and um you know, show a world and create a world of storytelling where, you know, people from all walks of life and comfort and you know, uh and background have relatable stories.
0: So how how's the company doing and and uh, what what kind of products
2: do you guys have available? Uh yeah, that was my son. Man, I was just mad dogging my son uh, for interrupting <laughs> my interview. <laughs> but uh, we just released a uh, 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 winter wonderland mixtape, which is kind of like you know our rendition or our take on you know what we feel like would be uh, fun holiday songs for all ages. You know what I mean? So it has some hip hop. R and B pop, uh, little jazz, soul influence. And, you know, the thought was, uh, really to let to lead with the music and short form animation to get people a sense of the world. Uh, and for us, you know, we sell wrapping paper ornaments, you know, just basically all your holiday swag, uh, sweaters, t-shirts, things like that, coffee mugs. Um, but it's a cool company. It's a cool, exciting company. Um, and, you know, I think the, the best part about it is getting, the, you know, the look at people, getting to see kids, get to see the look on their face. You know, and, and the parents really appreciating that, you know, they have a Santa Claus that they can relate to as well. You haven't been retired too
0: long, but what do you th- hope that basketball fans remember about you? And what do you think your biggest moment was
2: in the NBA? Uh, I would say for me, just more so being like, uh, the trendsetter. You know what I mean? The, uh, a guy who, you know, kind of defined, find the culture. You know what I mean? And, you know, just kind of kept expanding what, what we could do as NBA players, you know, both on and off the court. Um, you know, just, I just want people to, you know, I, I get the respect, you know, that, that I want. Or that I, that I ever wanted when, you know, I see people in the airport coming out, shouting me out, you know what I mean, or saying what's up. Um, you know, that's a lot of love. And then, like, you know, the relationships that I have with a lot of dudes in the league and, you know, just, uh, the mutual respect, you know, that's all I ever wanted.
1: Don't you think it's weird when you played, you know, you were a guy who was famous for having interests outside of basketball whether it was directing or or, or, or acting or, or all these things. And at the time, the culture around basketball was like, Barron's too distracted with this, that, and the other. And now when you look at guys around the league, the stars of this league, they're basically doing the same things, whether it's fashion, whether it's Hollywood, entertainment, what have you. And that's not really a, a big deal. Like, we kind of embrace it about the stars of today. Um yeah. Did you ever think about that, how weird
2: that is? Yeah, it's super weird, man. But, you know, at the same time, I knew what I was doing. It was really just being the first one out there to do it. And, you know, sometimes you got to, like, lead first. And I just wanted people to know, like, we we're more than that. And now that you see a lot of dudes, like, with film companies and fashion, companies, you know, it's just, like, being able to branch out. And the fans, like, it's got to be somebody that take, you know, I take the blame for it, uh, uh, but I, I didn't care, you know what I mean? Because I was like, that was who I was. That was my swag, and, you know, that kind of helped me uh, do better on the court. You know what I mean? Is is What else am I going to do with these 10 hours I got before I got to go to bed and go to practice again, you know?
1: Before you came on, we were talking about your background, where you grew up, and, and how you went to uh, high school, a, a private school that really wasn't known for athletics. It was known for kind of being the where the Hollywood people send their kids. How did you end up at crossroads of all schools?
2: Well, my grandmother didn't want me to go to a school in the neighborhood, you know, and um, at the time, uh, my AAU coach, um, he worked for K-Swiss, and they sponsored like four high school teams and my grandma's best friend was my elementary school nurse. And they used to talk every day about, you know, one of my best friends that got murdered, uh, the year before I went to Crossroads. So it was just really like a ploy to try and get me, everybody was trying to figure out how to get me bust out or go somewhere else. And just so happened, um, my AU coach, he was, uh, he had a, uh, a, a, like, he was sponsoring like four schools, and he saw a kid at Crossroads who was like short who played varsity. And he was like, Yo, Barron could do that because he probably may not grow. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> like, he could probably thrive in a school like this and play varsity and, like, you know, go on to college and, you know, at least try and get a good education. But, you know, he would be a good kid to, like, put out of school, you know, try and get into a school like this. And just so happened, uh, Daryl Roper, the head coach, uh, was from my neighborhood. He went to Fremont and his aunt was my school nurse, who was my, who was really good friends with my grandmother. And so like, it was this guy working in mysterious ways and everything kind of come full circle. And so when I went on tour and did all the tests and all that, you know, they, they pretty much took a chance on, uh, on me. It was a program called a better chance where it was a financial aid program where, uh, Donors donated money for kids to get scholarships to Crossroads. So, you know, once I got accepted, it was just a matter of how I was going to get to school every day from South Central.
0: With the Warriors' success now and, you know, me growing up and being from the Bay Area, you know, certainly the We Believe team is is strongly revered. Does the Warriors winning, does the Warriors championships, do you think that will change anything Is, is how much you guys were adored or is what you guys did here just something that could never be pushed backwards no matter what the Warriors do from now on?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I would say for me, <laughs> you know, I, I always look at it like, you know, in my career I play pretty much for uh, all the worst owners in the, in the NBA. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Like if there's the top five worst owners in the NBA, I play for however many teams I play for. I play for all five.
1: Uh, <laughs> you ain't play for the Suns though.
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, and kind of like that. Oh, in 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 the old school way, you know. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. We-
2: the old school owners. Uh, but it was just like, man, it was you know for us thing about it is, like, we captured a moment, you know? We captured a moment in time, and we had some special. It's crazy. I ran into Rod Higgins in the airport, and we was just kind of, like, reminiscing and talking about, like, how close we all felt we were, and then, like, how it wasn't even management, how, like, you know, like, people who didn't have nothing to do with the team started getting involved because we became successful. You know what I mean? And, you know, to me, it was just, it, it, it was crazy because it, it, it happened when nobody expected it to happen. And so for, you know, and if you're a fan in the Bay Area, you live in the Bay Area, you know, uh, it was, it was dead. You know what I mean? Like the Warriors was dead. And, uh, there was no hope. And, you know, for us, When we did that, it just – it gave, one, it gave the Warriors hope. Two, it it shined a spotlight on Oakland and Oracle. Three, players start saying, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's going on up there in the Bay Area? Oh, it's popping. It's a great place to play. It's a great place to live. And so eventually it became, you know, the place to be. Nobody was paying attention to it until we got there and kind of you know, kind of made it home, made it made it a destination.
0: Speaking of the worst owners, I I remember talking to you and, and I I don't think I've ever seen you have more despair in your eyes than when you were dealing with the stuff with Donald Sterling with him the owner actually heckling you during the game. What do you remember about what he said to you those times and eventually what were your feelings when he got pushed out of the league for his racist ways? For me, man, I say this, I, I,
2: the day, and I say, I said this, I said this a million times, the day of my press conference, when I walked off the stage, had us communication said, hey, you know, he may say some things to you. Just ignore him. I said, well, no. what kind of stuff are you going to say? He was like, man, a dude can say anything. He just, don't have a real good understanding of people and what he says. He's loopy. I said, man, he better be careful what he say to me because I ain't like the rest of you. <laughs> and I walked uh-huh. off, and I didn't think nothing to it until I was like, yo, uh-oh, this dude's racist. Yeah. I didn't play for no racist. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I can not play for no racist, man. Like, when when
0: did you realize he was racist? Well, did, did he say anything? or?
2: Yeah, when I started paying attention to, like, it was like, you know, you fun that season. and it's like, Oh my God, he got everybody excited and it was almost like it was almost like the movie Get Out. <laughs> <laughs> it, was like, you're it was like you want to in the training camp, dude and everybody was like, Yo, what the fuck you so happy for? And I'm like, Shit, we're about to play a season. It's like, Nah, he coming. No, and when no. he came in he just had no I saw at that moment he had no respect for nobody, you know? He had no respect for nobody. He he couldn't look nobody in the eye. And everything he was saying to people was like stuff you never say to somebody on their first day at the job. And so for me, he rubbed me wrong from the jump because I didn't like him. And, you know, I just thought that the way... The way that the whole Clippers system was set up, it was set up to protect him, protect yeah. him from the media, protect him fr- protect him from us, from saying stuff to us. Um, and so, it, you know, it's like he had fault, but you know, everybody else had fault too. You know, um, Andy Rosen for sure, Mike Dunleavy for sure. You know what I mean, like. What what was the wildest thing people. you ever heard him say? Uh, outside the fact of him calling me a bastard and a heathen and a motherfucker <laughs> and telling me why am I shooting that shit me so fucking <laughs> um, I say, I say, no, I say the worst thing he probably did was when, uh, when, he came, when we lost the game and he came in the locker room and he walked in the locker room looked at me, looked at everybody in the locker, and he went down the road, one by one, and he cussed everybody out. And he picked on Al Thornton, who's a rookie from Georgia, who didn't really know what was going on, because Mike Dudley, was putting him out there to just try to score, you know what I mean? And yeah. he dug Al Thornton up. And so, that's when I was like, hold on, dude, this dude ain't right. Like he don't even know. Like this kid is—he just a kid. You feel what I'm right, saying? Right, right. And then he went around the room and tried to like talk about everybody, but actually was falling on deaf ears.
0: Oh. So how did you feel when he got yeah. bounced, and when all that stuff was going down with him and and?
2: Man, I felt uh, like I, I felt like I felt like this man. You know what I mean? A girl, a girl out of him. Yeah, feel you know I me. Mean? Like it wasn't none of the players, the coaches, or the GM,
1: or the commissioner. Because everybody knew about it. That's that. That's the funniest thing about the Sterling thing is it wasn't a secret. If you were in the league, you knew that dude crazy and he racist.
2: But yeah, but you know he crazy. You don't know he racist because he never around. And when he around, you don't want to be around him. So you don't really know. You know what I mean? So if you right. one of the others he a disease because he stinks. So when he come around, nobody wants to be around him who stinks. You know what I'm saying? And he don't mm-hmm. think he stinks. He thinks he smelled good. You feel what I'm saying? So <laughs> it wasn't so much like, you know, it, like not that it was a surprise. It shouldn't have been a surprise, but it was just like, damn, like he's that he's he's that ignorant and he's that dumb to express himself like that. You know what I mean, right?
1: Like, yeah. and
2: and it goes back to the point that he has a he has no care in the world for nobody. You know what I mean? It's 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 beyond being black. You know what I mean? He, he treat he treat Hispanic people the same way. Yeah, and anybody who works for him, he treats the same way. So he going to make you feel he gonna make you the scum of the earth because you know who you work for. And for me, that's why it was hard for me to play. It was hard for me to win. Because when I looked on the sideline, it was the first time I had anxiety. If he walked in the gym, you can check the stats. If he didn't show up to the game, probably had a good game. If he showed up, I don't know. I don't know if I can win for you, buddy. Because if you happy, I'm happy. So would you say
0: that your scoring average with the Clippers was probably better on the road than it was at home?
2: I don't know. I mean, to be honest, that, you know, to be honest, I don't know. All I remember is, you know, it wasn't fun, it wasn't good because I was the one person you could, you were not going to be able to pump. You know what I mean? And when you look at all the articles, when you look at everything that came out in the press, everything that was, they had to find somebody to attack to job. You know what I mean? And I remember one time I went to the store, man, if you were smart, You'll probably have a conversation with me because I'm the one you pay, you pay the most. I'm your highest pet. You have yet to even ask me a question, so I already know how it is. Yeah. So what you would know, you say?
0: I'm sir sure. I'm, sure, I'm sure uh those were the darkest days. What what were the best days for you? Was it the All Star Games? Was it um
2: Not the, the, the uh, We Believe I would time? Say like my early years in the league, you know, um I would say, you know, every year had, every year had its had as fun. You know, I can't say like it, it was completely dark at the because, you know, one year when Lucas was there and you know, we had a good a, a, a group of guys that we just went out with every day. Um so it's just a year to year it's up and down. you know, my beginning uh in Charlotte was great, but First, you know my I remember my first year uh Bobby Phils passed away so that was hard you know what I mean um you know in the warrior time that was that was only like really like a good year it wasn't even a year and a half you know because those guys came mid-season and then after the next year they kind of broke us up so you know New York was fun you know I, um even though I got hurt I probably had had a lot of fun in New York um You know, Cleveland was fun. I felt like everywhere I went, I kind of had an opportunity to, like, turn it around and uh, bring some excitement. You know, I I brought some excitement everywhere I went and left them, you know, with a cool opportunity or a draft pick or a number one pick that they was able to be able to, like, go on and do stuff with, you know? So I'm kind of like the the good luck Chuck. I'm like (laughs) the good luck Chuck (laughs) to some of these teams. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so so when you watch the game right now, you know obviously we're living in a golden age of point guards. Um, we got scoring point guards all over the league. Uh, kind of the, the the most exciting players just seem to play at that position. Who who's the guy that you enjoy watching? Just from a man that may, uh, you just feel good when you watch that person play.
2: Uh, you know James Harden for one, but you know, I like these young dudes. I like, uh, John Wall, you know, obviously Steph Curry is killer. Uh, but you know Kyrie, Dame Lillard, um, you know, uh, uh Kimball Walker. I like how he get out. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of these young, and these young PGs as well to, you know, uh, De'Aaron Fox, Lonzo ball, um, you know, Dennis Smith, love his game. Uh, who else uh Donovan Mitchell. I love how he get down. So it, it oh, you it's really watching. Uh Yeah, it, it you know, uh I even like the little kid down at uh Phoenix. Uh Mike James and Devin Booker, you know. Yeah. So I like the you know, I like big guards, combo guards, you know. I I I've be, I've been watching, I've been watching a lot. Um but yeah, this is definitely a golden era with point guards and you know, you got Russ up there at the top and, you know, guys like that. So, you know, it, it's fun to watch for me to see the matchups and see who will take take advantage of the matchup. I was uh, glued in on that Washington-Portland game, and then uh, my boy Bradley Beal just went on here and dropped 51. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's anybody's night in the NBA, uh, you know, in this era. What advice would you give to
0: a player entering the league now And what advice would you give a player exiting the league now?
2: Uh, I would say entering the league is stay patient, you know, work hard, stay patient, stay focused. And then the dude exiting the league is to um, give back before you leave. You know what I mean? Make sure you give something back because we've been fortunate to like, no matter what it is, roller coasters, up and downs, we've been fortunate, fortunate to do a lot so. You know, I think it's important for now like those veteran guys to like give back and make sure like, you know, you keep the game alive, you keep the history alive, um, you know, you keep the seventies, the sixties, you know what I mean? It's kinda like those stories can't die. Um and you know, just give some back. Give some back to these younger dudes playing your position and help them become great. I gotta ask um, you this.
0: As a UCLA uh guy what do you think about uh, what happened in 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 China and how it was handled? And uh, the uh, the middle ball kid ended up leaving. I don't know if you talked to their family or anything, but what was your take on that whole situation?
2: Uh, for me, you know, uh, you know, the first question I ask is uh, who, who gave them the rules? You know what I mean? Like, you know, if it's my squad or you know. I'm going to make sure that you have the fear of God in you before we even get on the planet. And the focus is about what we're we doing. Um, I think the kids is being silly. You know what I mean? Like any college kid would be silly. Just can't be silly in China doing that. You know what I mean? And so that whole thing was one, uh, you know, rock in the eye, but, die, but you know, I, I'm just more... Uh, I I'm just kind of like more disappointed in in the in the how the whole thing was handled. You know what I mean? Because you see has a school has a program, you know, we got got a pedigree, you know, and and you know, I just expected that you know, um I just think that, you know, when you're coaching these kids, man, and and you mentoring these kids and you and you got to protect them, you know, but at the same time you got to let them know what's What's ahead, you know, so they don't get in trouble, right? And then at the same time, like, you just gotta, you know, I don't know, man. It don't, it don't feel like, it don't feel like the program is where it should be, you know what I mean? It feels like AAU basketball is kind of dictating how the UCLA program is being ran. We got incredible kids, you know what I mean? All those kids, Cody Riley, you know, Jello, um, you know, those kids, all those kids are great, man. You know what I'm saying? And so they're great kids. They're, they're good kids. They're around all summer. It's just an unfortunate thing. But I think that, you know, we have to start looking at our, pointing the finger at the adults sometimes, you know, because the adults are responsible for, uh you know, one, not just chaperoning them, but, but helping them to become men and helping them become professional men and represent the university and themselves more importantly, like families in the right way. Cause they got, they all three of those kids have a golden opportunity to play at the next level. So, you know, and as far as LeVar, like taking his kid out of school, it's like, I don't, you know, that's on him. You know, I, I, he doing what he sees fit for his family. Um, and, when you look at it, man, that's that's just how the game. That's how the game is now. You know, it's different, so it, it's hard to kind of like lend an opinion. There's no right or wrong anymore. It's like, you know, you can do what you
0: want. Yeah. And before we let you go, uh, tell everybody the website and how they can access it and uh, check out the swag on
2: uh, Black Santa. Yeah, man. You know, blacksanta.com, dot com. Man, support the movement. Uh, check out the mixtape on iTunes, SoundCloud. It's called the Winter Wonderland mixtape. Well, Baron, man,
0: continue success. Best of luck. Look forward to uh, crossing paths with you in the future, man. And uh, yes, sir. We out, bro. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank
2: you, guys.